Welcome to the King James Bible Seminary. My name is Myron Boffman and I'll be your instructor today in the Word of the Lord. We'd like to welcome each and every one of you. This is the Old Testament Poetry class. Today we're in Psalm 145. 145, so if you'd be so kind as to turn there in your Bibles, we'll get started with today's lesson, which is entitled, The Privilege of Praise. The Privilege of Praise? Uh, this is uh, David's Psalm of Praise, 145. King James Seminary is rather different, I suspect, than quite a few other schools. Uh, we don't require a advanced education to come here. We don't require we don't require transcripts from schools. We don't uh, ask that you. Uh, have a high school graduation certificate, a GED, a diploma. Uh, we just want you to be born again and a willing servant of Christ. And um, we're not worried about your credentials. Uh, <clears throat> we don't go back into background checks here. And we don't look into your finances. Uh, we're not uh, concerned about any of that. Uh, we hope all of you are prosperous, but uh, we don't look down our noses on anybody who is not. And um, the rich and the poor are both welcome here. All we do is invite people to come and learn and uh, use what they learn for God's honor and glory and in their service for the, our beloved Savior. Psalm 145 is rather interesting. <clears throat> um, in honor of God's word, let us all rise to hear the reading of the sacred text. And um, emphasis on the word sacred. Thank you, thank you. Okay. I will extol thee, my God, O King, I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another, and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness, and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom, and talk of thy power, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts, and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. 
Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that he bow down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. If thou, <clears throat> thou openest thine hand, and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and holy in his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, and to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry, and will save them. The Lord preserveth all them that love him, and all the wicked will he destroy. A mouth shall, my mouth shall speak the praises of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Thank you. Lord bless the reading and hearing of his holy word. This psalm is simply described by one word. One word. That word is praise. As in verse 21. King David, the author, dedicates this alphabetized verse, uh, this alphabetized group of verses, to the glory and praise of his great Redeemer God. This psalm is intended to serve in praise worship, either privately or in public. It has been historically used as such on various occasions. The worshiper has the privilege and responsibility to properly and adequately praise God for all his works and gracious mercy, now as well as in all eternity. In the book of Revelation, we notice on various occasions, God is praised by the angels as well as the glorified saints. In all this, we need to be reminded that as much as praise as is well deserved for all his works and glorious mercies, uh, it is God even more so that is to be glorified, honored, and praised above all above all that he has done. He is greater than that of his creation or in any of his works, and thus to be honored above them. There are many beautiful Christian songs that center on various things. The worshiper's attention goes to some things such as the cross and even redemption. But, God will take second place in worship to no one or no thing. He is uh, all that we own. He is all that we uh, ever receive. All of it comes from Him. And so He, not just what we receive, yes, that should be praised and honored and 
shown gratitude and thankfulness for, but as he that is God himself, who is the origin of this, and we are to look not just to what we've received, but to him. It is because of him we have graciousness in abundance bestowed upon us. All that we receive from him is the subject of thanksgiving and gratitude, in other words. But he is, like I said, he is greater than all these and greatly to be praised. As King David points out, <clears throat> we will spend eternity and never exhaust our wonderment of God and all his glory, grace, and mercies. This is what we will do and this is what we will be occupied with doing in our heavenly states of glory. Our final state in our Father's house of many mansions, found described in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, will be that of serving Him in worship. This indeed is a special privilege and honor to be picked for such a permanent position. It is then that our six days of labor will move into the Lord's day of praise and worship. Of note in this psalm, we are called by the name and word of God to be his children. Are to, we are to both praise and worship him, but also to encourage others to do likewise. It is not just the content of our words, but our mood and attitude that displays the love of God that actually points others upward to God. Now, it is true we are to hate evil and love God and all his glorious goodness, but it is also an underlying truth that none of us are to bear um, actual hatred or animosity to one another in our hearts, um, especially against our fellow Christian. Even sometimes these people may be biblically considered enemies of God, not Christians, but those in the outside world. Treasuring hatred in our hearts is likened to murder according to Christ himself. For that, see Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 2, and also 1 John chapter 3, 15. Now, we will conquer all by the word and love of God, however, through Christ without the assistance of the flesh, leaving the results to him. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Now, in some areas of this world, be advised, in some areas of this world, to know who hates you and who is your enemy, as well as God's enemy, is a necessity. Because in some places in this world, uh, your life depends upon that knowledge. So don't be afraid to acknowledge um, the hatred that goes around in this world. Uh, I know there's tremendous persecution in some parts of the world and complete villages have disappeared. Complete Christian villages have disappeared because of persecution.
So we conquer all by the word and love of God through Christ without the assistance of the flesh, leaving the results to him. The sharp sword that comes out of the mouth of our Lord in Revelation chapter 19, 15, Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, uh, is not a call to arms for us to go to physical battle. That is a symbolic picture instead of Christ conquering the world by the word that comes out of his mouth and nothing more. In other words, we are to use his word in our spiritual battles. And that word will conquer, conquers lives, one at a time. The battle is his, by the way, not ours. We are enjoined in it, but actually it is his battle. Uh, and it's already won, by the way. Our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but spiritual, and anyone who thinks otherwise is badly mistaken concerning Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. No one can properly praise God with bad motives such as hatred uh, hmm, and a lot of other things, uh, hidden sin in their hearts. Um, any wrong motivation will uh, completely make it impossible to properly praise and worship God. The lost in hell may not praise God through eternity, but they only perhaps curse Him, curse others and themselves. But they have this but we, in contrast, have this great honor and privilege of being in His presence. Who among us could not praise and worship our great God who will be before us in all his wondrous royal glory? Amen. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. That will be a wonderful, glorious, eye-filling, soul-filling sight. Now, let's realize that if the angels, who are higher than we are in creation, fall down and worship him day and night because he is worthy, then even more so will we because we have been wonderfully redeemed. It is then when we have reached glory that we will be totally free from sin to do his will with pure motives and we'll be able to properly worship and praise and adore our beloved Lord. If sometimes you find yourself not able to praise or thank the Lord for your blessings, then examine yourself to see if there's something there keeping you from it. Sin of some type lurks at the closed door of the heart and bars us from true happiness, true fellowship, and true praise. These things, sometimes deep things, need repented of and eliminated in the life of any true believer. 
which is done by going to the Lord and sincerely asking for forgiveness and that he will remove that from your life. There was something there in the psalm, if you remember. If you back up to the psalm, um, we are to go to the Lord and call upon him truthfully. The word there was used truthfully. I kind of substituted sincerely there for for that truth. So, sometimes uh, you have to dig deep. There's something there that bothers you and a lot of times and you can't quite remember what it was or what it is. But ask the Lord to bring it to your knowledge and attention and to forgive you. And He will. He, the Lord is faithful. Even when we're not. <clears throat> so anyways. He will remove it from your life as far as the east is to the west. Uh, he does separate us from sin when we come to Him. Otherwise, that sin stays on us. So He gives us victory when we come to Him because He has overcome the world. Now, in verse 4, we note that we are to hand our faith down to the next generation and the worship that accompanies it. We ought not to ignore our calling to train up our children in the way that they should go in life, nor leave our children without a spiritual foundation. All God's mighty works should be studied, made known, and pointed out to our future generations. This would include, for instance, the creation, the fall of mankind, providence, what that means, redemption, the reason for it, how it was brought about, its ramifications, the basic history of the church, and of course, our great hope of the soon return of our Lord and the glory that will follow. We are not to brag about ourselves to them, that is the future generation, our children or others, but we are to brag on our Lord and show confidence in Him to all, in all circumstances. Sadly, it would seem, judging from the way the numbers of the outward church have dwindled, God's greatness and blessings are taken for granted and looked at in a small way by the modern church, leaving the importance of passing the faith on to the next generation, they leave that on the back, far back burner. It is, seems to be no longer important and only emotion and feelings and the hype, the programs, only that appears to be ultimately important to the modern church. Not always true, but a lot of times that is a problem. Sometimes we just get involved in programs that are supposed to promote the Lord and and all but in Christianity and growth, but all it does is promote the program. 
So don't brag about yourself, what you're doing, your accomplishments. Brag about the Lord. As Scripture states, and by the way, the Scriptures are our only authority in the church. Not me, not what the preacher says, not what the deacons say, but it is the Scriptures, the Holy Bible. That is the not just the final authority, it is the only authority. Now, the Scripture states, the love of many will wax cold in the last days. But this is only referring to the outward church, not the faithful remnant. Okay, we stay faithful. Our love for God will not decrease but increase. So, let's go on to verse 15. The eyes of all wait upon thee. Quote. The eyes of all wait upon thee because we, as we have read in verses 8 and 9, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. We trust him for all because he is trustworthy. Above all we can he, he is trustworthy above all that we can ask or think. He does exceedingly abundantly above. So we need to trust him more and more. Trust is confidence. It is uh, the faith of Abraham that God was able to, according to the book of Hebrews, that God was able to raise Isaac up from the dead, that he was willing to go through with a sacrifice of his own son. So that was true confidence. And we are to exhibit that saving confidence in God through Jesus Christ our Savior. So we have confidence in um, <clears throat> the salvation he brings. We have confidence in his grace. And we don't have confidence in our flesh and in our minds and decisions and um, our steadfastness. I don't have confidence in that at all. Confidence in the Lord alone. So the Lord is good to all. That is an important thing. So we trust him for all because he is trustworthy. And beyond a shadow of a doubt, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. This, of course, is in opposition to all who attempt to blame God for sin and their troubles. There are people who do that. Condemning God for the bad things that come along in life is not the way of faith. But it demonstrates the lack of it. The uh, righteous, as David says, will praise him daily. There's good days and bad days. The righteous praise him daily. Notice how King David states at the beginning of this that he was going to praise the Lord 
forever and ever. So we are to praise him daily, good and bad. Hmm, that's some, sometimes that's hard to do. Huh, I see that in your face. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> so truly the righteous, truly only the righteous will praise him in his holy sanctuary. One does not become righteous by self-improvement, education, acts of charity, doing rituals and ceremonies, fulfilling certain obligations, donations, attendance. One doesn't become righteous that way. One becomes righteous by obeying, obeying the call of the gospel to repent and believe. Let me repeat that. One becomes righteous by obeying the call of the gospel to repent and believe. One must be born from above. One must be born again to enter the privileges of praise. So if you notice, not everyone is so inclined to do that. Our saving faith is brought about by God's grace, and it is a particular faith, one in Him alone. It isn't faith in our faith. It isn't faith in our decision, our baptism. It isn't faith in our church. <clears throat> it isn't faith in anything we do, but faith in Him alone. His grace is sufficient, all-sufficient, for all of our needs, including salvation and eternal life. His grace is there for you now, not hidden. It is nigh unto thee. So, trust Him. Trust Him. With that, we're going to... Um, close this lesson with a brief word of prayer. And if you have any questions or comments, save those until after the prayer and we'll cover that as best we can. Let's bow. <clears throat> Thank thee, O Father. Thank thee, O Father. We come to thee because of your grace. We pray now that you will ask, um, that as we ask thee for our favors for our blessings each day. We ask that you'll help us to be thankful for this. We especially thank thee for being our Father, for sending thy Son, and for giving us the Holy Spirit. And we thank thee for thy Holy Word, that we might learn of it and not offend thee ignorantly. We pray that you'll give us education and wisdom we ask your blessings upon the hearer of thy word this day, and may it go out with the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank thee, Father, for these things. We, we ask also you'll help us to praise thee as we should and worship thee as we should. And we know that we don't come to thee just any way we want to. So help us, Lord, as we study that word to do it biblically and have 
nothing between us and thee. Search our hearts, O Lord, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Pray now for all the requests we do have, for the peace of Jerusalem, for our nation, for the repentance of the nation that it will turn to thee. Pray also for our church, that it will grow. And uh, we pray for each member, for all in attendance here today. We ask your blessings upon our families. Uh, save the lost, heal the sick, and be with those in a special way who have special needs. Pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. Thank you.